your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay, today we're going to be talking about teen sex. And, uh, you know, in the, in the teen social world, sex is more visible, it's more acceptable, and it's more available, given the opportunities afforded teens with their social uh, connections, with the social media, uh, Snapchat, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, Facebook. I mean, it just it goes on and on. And they're now spending more time with friends, often of the opposite sex, and are often unsupervised by their parents and other adults because they're using the, these forms of media. They're not just on the phone talking to their friends; they're actually texting, which uh, and which they can delete. And the thing is, you know, parents don't really know what is going on. So what's really important with teenage sex and with teenagers is to have a very open dialogue about their life and not be as alarmist when you hear them say things. Yes, there is going to be mistakes that are made. Maybe there's secrets. Maybe there's things that they've overstepped already. But you have to be willing to be an op- have an open dialogue with your teenager if you're going to have any influence whatsoever on their choices. Um, you know, they they also are much better at reading social cues, nonverbal messages, like the look from across the room that says, "Hey, I like you." I mean, I really like you. Uh, you know, are you interested? I mean, that's something that they are very good at in very subtle ways. And th- it, you know, this is our signal. What are we going to do? Lock up our kids and never allow them to spend unsupervised time alone with a boyfriend or girlfriend? Well, no. We just have to be wiser and we have to be better connected and we have to have better communication. Because all we know, likely from our own experiences, if we draw a line in the sand and make definitive statements like you're absolutely not allowed to see that boy or girl, especially alone, we, we we may as well be asking for a rebellion. Because with so many ways to get to another person, these teenagers are extremely manipulative and can use social media to get a hold of their friends and get a hold of someone they're attracted to through their friends even. You know, I realize this is one of the most difficult topics that parents have to deal with when it comes to their children. But I know that I'm right there with you. You know, it's tough. But informing ourselves, not only is it good for us as parents, you know, with more informational tools, but it's also definitely beneficial for our teens. To that end, you know, I'd like to present you with some background. Um, you know, it's really important to look at us. The, most of us began our sexual exploitations and as explorations and our activity uh, in stages. The first stage is engaging in what scientists and researchers call the autoerotic behavior, and that's the sexual behavior that's experienced alone, like uh, having uh, erotic fantasies, masturbation, nocturnal orgasms. And as the teens reach high school, they typically begin an orderly progression to sexual activity involving other people. Interesting, because most people tend to believe that boys and men corner the proverbial market on masturbation, but they also believe that only boys go through these stages of sexual activity, and that's just not so. You know, there's several studies that have shown that both males and females engage in the similar sequence of activities. It's just that boys engage in these activities at an earlier stage than most girls do. You know, here's another piece of news. You know, parents, in terms of uh, of prevalence of sexual intercourse among uh, teenagers, slightly fewer adolescents are having sex today when we compare them to teens in previous decades. But having said this, the reality we must all face is that sexual intercourse during high school is now a part of the normative experience of adolescence in America. It's a bit scary, but true. And this is precisely why we need to arm our kids, our teenagers, with knowledge and information. We want them to make smart, informed decisions when it comes to sex. You know, and because of the awkward nature of this topic, not all parents discuss sexuality with their kids. As such, many teens are left in the dark about Issues that will inevitably play a big role in their lives. I mean, this is a real problem. But the good news is that today we live in a world where we have an, a 
abundance of information literally at our fingertips. There are tons of accurate, reliable books, websites, sources, resources that help us find out information we need to help to communicate to our kids. You know, it's, it's so important. The average age for adolescents to start puberty in the United States still hovers around 12 years old. However, puberty, puberty is occurring earlier for both boys and girls for various reasons. Girls start uh, the pubertorial process about two years earlier than boys do. And one of the first signs of puberty is the adolescent's growth uh, spurt, where teens reach uh, a height, uh, a peak height at a very fast velocity. And it's also followed, followed by the development of primary sex care, uh, characteristics, such as testes, gonads, ovaries, secondary sex, uh, sexual characteristics like breasts, uh, facial, and body hair. So these kind of things, you know, we have to be very aware of. And one of the first signs of puberty is the adolescent growth spurt, where teens reach that height. Also, uh, uh, pubertal onset can begin as early as seven in girls and nine and a half in boys, and as late as 13 in girls and 13 and a half in boys. And the time between the first sign of puberty and the complete physical maturation can be as short as one and a half years, and it can also be as long as six years. So it all depends, and part of that's genetics. And also, there's some differences in pubertorial onset between ethnic groups in the United States. Like black teens begin pu puberty earliest, followed by Latinos, followed by whites, probably due to ethnic differences in income and weight, and possibly also due to exposure to chemicals that stimulate uh, puberty. But early maturation can bring social advantages, which is attention from prospective partners, popularity, proficiency in certain sports. Early uh, matures also are at a risk for various issues such as more drug and alcohol use, delinquency, and early sexual activity because now there's an agenda called sex. And so, you know, once a person has begun to be looked at as a sexual creature, obviously they're going to receive sexual attention. You know, some factors implicated in early uh, pubertal maturation, especially in girls, is growing up in a less cohesive families with more conflict, uh, growing up in households with no natural father instead of having a stepfather or other male, not biologically related, uh, present pheromones. And so also stress, small amounts of stress can speed up the pubertal process and a great deal of stress can slow it down. So once puberty has occurred, sexual intercourse can lead to pregnancy. And physically mature male and female adolescents are more likely to be involved in romantic activities with the opposite sex than less mature ones. And you know what? When it comes to sex, and if you're going to have a dialogue with your kids, first of all, you have to ask them, do you have an income? Do you have insurance on your own? Do you have a future that you've mapped out? Do you, do you have uh, a home? Do you have a car? Are you able to put diapers on the baby? Because anything that you're going to be doing sexually with somebody, if it creates a baby, guess who is going to have to be involved in that? And that's you, the parent. And that's a scary factor with a kid hanging out there with uh, sex on their mind. They're at the highest testosterone level uh, possible because genetically we're all designed to be breeding by the time we're 15 and having kids. That's the procreation of the species and that's been for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that we're designed to be breeding at that age and that's why teenagers are so horny. Okay, now uh, maturation is completely normal and can actually be a healthy way by which young people can get to know their own bodies. And, you know, and unlike what uh, many think men and boys do not corner the market on masturbation. Both males and females of all ages masturbate. We just don't talk about it. You know, most boys have experienced an orgasm via masturbation before they've had sex with another person. However, the data is less clear for girls. You know, behavioral sequence for most American teens is holding hands, kissing, making out, feeling breasts through the clothes, feeling breasts under the clothes, feeling the penis through the clothes, feeling the penis under the clothes, or while naked, uh, feeling uh, vagina through the clothes, feeling vagina under the clothes, and while, or while naked, and intercourse, and then oral sex. You know, there are many forms of birth control available, but the only way to protect against both pregnancy and any sexually transmitted infection is by using a protective barrier condom and or remain completely abstinent. You know, and here's the bottom line. Our babies are inevitably going to go through puberty. 
and they will become interested in sex. And so this is an undeniable, beautiful, scary fact that we must accept. And we all know that if teens really want to find something out, they will turn to their friends or to the web to get answers. Often the knowledge they acquire from these sources is not exactly accurate or reliable. You know, why would they not turn to their parents? The people who presumably know a thing or two about the topics, given their lifelong experiences. So after all, their parents have um, invested heart, soul, finances into them their whole lives. Now you need to have the dialogue, folks. That is what's important. All right, so here's some truths about sex. Uh, you know, se- uh, sex. You know, I, I can feel the anxiety in the room spike when the issue of teen sex is raised, especially in counseling. You know, mothers and fathers often get anxious when they see their kids, teenagers specifically, darling son or daughters, morph into this sexual creature. You know, uh, um, you know, unfortunately. You know, my office isn't equipped with a crystal ball, but the following statistics about teenagers should soothe fears and resolve some of the mystery. So according to a recent study for the U.S. Centers of Disease Control, which uh, basically conducts a national survey of family growth, the average age of teenagers in the U.S. when they lose their virginity is 17. 16.9 for males, 17.2 for females. In fact, over 80% of Americans have had sex by the age of 20, usually with someone slightly older than them, usually about a half a year or so. And for females, and that's for boys, and for females, it's about a a year and a half. And the ages for uh, mutual uh, consensual sexual activity are largely the same among homosexual and heterosexual youth. So exposure uh, to sexually explicit materials, you know, due to a related uh, restrictions on film, television, internet, you know, teens have more access to sexually explicit material than ever before. One click and they see more, learn more, and can be traumatized more by sexually explicit materials than any other youth in the world. I mean, it's not like you're hunting for daddy's Playboy magazine under the bed. I mean, this is right there at their fingertips if you're not regulating you know, even more troubling is while parents do their best to block and filter access to the materials, tech-savvy teens have a very uncanny way about smarting them. And uh, so, you know, if, if you're worried that all this exposure has increased sexual activity among teen, teens, you can relax. The age for virginity loss in the U.S. hasn't changed. In fact, it has been consistent for many, many years. It's just having to navigate. And I will also tell you that one of the most influential factors is look at their friends. If their friends are having sex, they're probably having sex. I mean, that's the truth. And, and so you've got to look around at the people that influence these kids because they're shaping who they are. And by doing that, what they're basically doing is looking at what their friends are doing. And then they're pushed into a social context where uh, you want to join your friends. You want to be doing what they're doing. If they can do it, I can do it. So all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, they're off to having sex. So, you know, by regulating the friends or trying to measure the time that they have with these people is very important with these other friends. You know, if you're anxious about having the talk, a, a spouse, a cousin, a family friend can be a good substitute. Um, the more teens know about sex, the less likely they are to be impulsive or engage in, in risky behavior. And so whether it is sex or another major life decision, open and positive communication with your kid will inspire them to make smart choices. So remember, the best way to keep your kid healthy is keeping your relationship healthy. You know, if you look at what kids have to say about sex, if you're told, if, if you, uh, uh, if you, this is coming from a kid's context, if you were told your parents what's really going on with you, what would they do? Well, number one, they'd freak out. They'd kick me out of the house, they wouldn't understand, and they don't know what it's like to be a teenager now. That would be the most common reactions if you don't have a good communication with your child. 53% of 12 to 17-year-olds are very or extremely concerned about disappointing their parents. And another 36% report they are concerned, 8% are a little concerned, and 3% are not concerned. 
You know, it's very important to know what's really going on. You don't want to have to look hard at the local newspaper or the news or even email boxes to find panic-inducing stories about teens. But what you want to do is is have some kind of interaction with your teen's uh, social media activity and their activity with their friends. You want to be involved in that. You don't want to be their best friend, but... Uh, that's what we need to do. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about what uh, kids have to say about sex, and then we're going to go into giving you some tools to deal with it. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. 
or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about teenage sex. Teenage sex. Woohoo! All right. You know, what do teens uh, think about uh, being virgins? Well, 81% of teens do not think teenagers should be sexually active. Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, a good many teenagers are still having sex while in high school, and there is a sense among teens and the health educators that the more uh, teens are holding off on having sex, but those who are sexually active are fooling around with more partners. And although there has been a, a decline in sexual activity among teens under 15, nearly a third of ninth graders are having sex. You know, at what age do most teens lose their virginity? Well, ninth grade is about 32% of ninth graders have sex, 44.1% of 10th graders, 53.2% of 11th graders, and 61.6% of 12th graders have had sex. You know, sexually active teens, much like uh, active adults, tend to fall into one to three camps. Those who have had sex once and they wait a long time, sometimes years before they ever do it again. Those who are in relationships and have sex either on occasion or frequently with their partner. And also the smallest subset is teens who have sex frequently with multiple partners. How sad is that? You know, how often are sexually active teens having sex? Uh, of active boys ages 15 to 17, 86% had engaged in intercourse in the past year, and that's uh, 15 to 17, folks, and uh, 40%, uh, 47% engaged in intercourse in the past month, and 36% had engaged in intercourse 10 or more times in the past year. So, you know, looking at these statistics, we have to realize that hooking up can mean anything from meeting at the mall to fooling around to having sexual intercourse. It's all in the context. Likewise, teenagers have somewhat expanded definition of what it means to lose their virginity. Um, you know, looking at some who's, who uh, have not lost their sexual, uh, their virginity, what they are saying is that they also get right up to the line where they do have sex. So oral is a big party part of it. Anal is a part of it. And all kinds of other sexual activity is a part of it. So many of them may engage in sex, but they don't go for the full-blown intercourse just to prevent the possibility of having children. You know, you know how can you prevent uh, parents... Uh, you know, tell their teen is having sex. You know, the statistics are very interesting. Right now, parents may be rethinking about the open-door policy that they use to seem to, uh, is so restrictive, but now suddenly it sounds like a really good idea. So the number one question that I hear is, how can I tell if my teen is having sex? And, you know, that is a huge question. And so, you know, if you look, teens tend to be fairly secretive about their personal lives. So this is just a difficult question, which has many answers as their parents and kids. You know, some telltale signs are that the teens' grooming habits tend to change when they start liking someone. They take more time with their appearance. They're carefully styling their hair. They're brushing their teeth. They're showering more regularly than before. They may be spending a great deal of more time out alone with their boyfriend or girlfriend and had no real answer for where they were or what they were doing. Uh, also, if your teen has reached a point where they have discovered the opposite sex, it's time for some open communication. So what, uh, you know, the talk is normally what we call it. And it's not just about the birds and the bees anymore. It's about good health, safety, and self-respect. And you can start by simply asking them if they're having sex. You know, they may not admit it, but it's important that you're honest and tell them how you feel about the subject. Discuss the responsibility. So, uh, discuss the emotional feelings. Discuss the possible health risks that go along with being sexually active and the possibility of an unplanned pregnancy. Also, especially with girls, it's really important that they have to know that boys brag. And when boys brag, they brag to other boys. And so they're going to want to score on something that their friend scored on, of course, and they're going to put the pressure on to try to engage in sex with that female. And that's how girls get what's called a reputation, because basically they end up having sex with a lot of boys who put a lot of pressure on and a lot of guilt on because they had sex with somebody else. And also, you have to realize, parents, that they might be embarrassed about talking about this with you. But, but you know, I'd rather discuss it and be embarrassed now than be sorry that I didn't talk with them later. 
So, you know, we have to look at some of these negative effects of having sex. You know, teenage sexual activity is a, a, a widespread concern across this country. The problems associated with teenage sexual activity are very well known. Every day, 8,000 teenagers in the United States become infected by sexually transmitted diseases. This year, nearly 3 million teens will be infected by sexually transmitted diseases. And overall, roughly one quarter of the nation's sexually active teens have been infected by sexually transmitted disease. So the problems of pregnancy and out-of-wedlock childbearing are also severe. You know, just a few years ago, 24,000 uh, children were born to girls age 18 or younger. And nearly all these teenage mothers were unmarried. And these mothers and their children have extremely high prob uh, probability of long-term poverty, uh, poverty and welfare dependence. And, and less widely known are the psychological and emotion problems associated with teenage sexual activity. You know, uh, uh, many studies uh, link uh, between uh, teenage sexual activity and emotional health. You know, the findings show that no parent wants to think about their teenager having sex because as your child enters their teen years... Uh, they're gaining independence, they're growing more interested in making their own decisions, and you may not be able to dictate their relationship choices, but you can talk to them about the possible negative psychological effects of sex for teenagers. You know, you have to realize that many kids that introduce sex at an early age are deeply insecure. And deeply insecure with themselves, the need to be accepted is very strong, and they have depression. A lot of them have some sense of depression going on, meaning they feel like their life is out of control. And so when we look at uh, mental health and then we look at teen sex, uh, the statistics are almost the same. Uh, you know, they play on each other. And so you have to understand if these teenagers are getting pregnant at a very young age, and they have mental health issues, you know, that that's going to drive things into the roof. I mean, these kids are not going to have a lot of choices in their life, nor are their children going to have a lot of choices in their life. You know, when compared to teens who are not sexually active, teenage boys and girls who are sexually active are significantly less likely to be happy and more likely to feel depressed. When compared to teens who are not sexually active, teenage boys and girls who are sexually active are significantly more likely to attempt suicide. You know, and of the teenagers that report negative feelings, the age of their first sexual experience seems to make a difference. So girls who had sex prior to age 15 and boys who have had sex prior to the age 14 seem to be more vulnerable to negative psychological effects. And uh, this, the, the University of California study reported that girls were more than twice as likely to experience a negative self-view after their first sexual experience and more than three times as likely to walk away feeling used. And also they found that the course, uh, the relationship took over introducing sex also played a role in the girls' overall feelings about the encounter itself. We also have to look at brain development in kids who are having sex. You know, new research shows that sex during adolescent years could affect mood and brain development into adulthood. So um, there was a study that was carried out uh, that re basically revealed how social experiences during adolescence, when the brain is still developing, can have broad consequences, specifically uh, when they, they studied animals like, like hamsters that mated earlier in life and had higher levels of depressing behavior, consequently. And, and the changes to the brain and the smaller reproductive tissues compared to those that had intercourse later, uh, or not at all, but having a sexual experience during this, this time point early in life is not without a mental consequence and that that is depression. You know, the researchers had a group of 40-day-old uh, male hamsters, equivalent to human teens, mate with adult females in heat. And the second group of males mated in adulthood, 80 days into life, while in the control group was not exposed to females. So the hamsters reached puberty at 21 days, and at 40 days have reached late to post-adolescence, so roughly equivalent to the ages 16 to 20 in humans. And so... Uh, Basically, they did about uh, various tests on these hamsters over uh, uh, 120 days. So when placed in water, the animals that had sex 40 days were more, more likely to stop swimming 
vigorously a symptom of depression than the other three groups. So all of the sexually active hamsters uh, uh, showed higher levels of anxiety measured by a willingness to explore a maze than the virgin hamsters. You know, the group that had sex in adolescence also showed less complexity in, in their uh, brain dendrites, which is what connects our neurons. And uh, so basically, early in life experiences can shape how a brain is formed. And so uh, what may be a normal child before sex may end up being a depressed child after. You know, hormones and experience go together. So when they, you know, if you naturally increase uh, testosterone levels to see whether the experiences during early life would have long-term consequences, the research has shown that, that uh, experiences and sex hormones when administered early in life have long-term consequences for uh, physiology, brain, and behavior. And so what this means is, is that uh, basically the physiology of the body may become more physical, more, more prepared for sex early, which may be a rush. And maybe they will not uh, be able, and in the studies, kids that grow up into adults that have had early sex basically lose their testosterone earlier in life than most males do. And females go into their, uh, into this, this, I can't remember the word, but it's the middle age time when the women go into menopause. Thank you. And, and so basically they, they get into menopause earlier because they're, they've had sex earlier, their cues in their brain are all earlier, their genes start to react, and they take on the formation of older age at an earlier age in life. And so, you know, teen sex, 13% of 15-year-olds in the U.S. have had heterosexual sex, and uh, there is also evidence that the age of the first sexual experiences correlates with mental health issues uh, all the time. And so, who are more likely to have sex? Well, dating plays a part in adolescence health development, but when teens are dating exclusively, so they're going steady, they're more likely to have sex earlier. You know, the proportion of adolescents who have ever had sex has, has obviously declined a little bit, and if, if not, stayed the same. But adolescents who have had sex earlier are less likely to be uh, use contraception, putting them at greater risk of pregnancy and SDTC, SDTs, STDs, excuse me, too much coffee. All right. Many adolescents are engaging in sexual behaviors other than uh, vaginal intercourse. Nearly half have had oral sex and just over 10% have had anal sex. Not all sexually active adolescents take part in high-risk sexual behaviors. 39% of females and 33% of males who have ever had sex have had only one partner. So the likelihood of sex increases with each school grade level uh, from 33% in the ninth grade to 62% in the 12th grade. And between uh, 14% of, of, of female adolescents and 25% of male adolescents had sex for the first time with someone they had just met or whom they were just friends. So many adolescents are engaging in oral sex prior to having intercourse. About 51% of 15 to 24-year-olds had oral sex before they first had sexual intercourse. So, you know, the, the media, the social media plays a very important role in exposing them to what to expect on dating and what to expect in sexual relationships. And so more than one-third of adolescents say they have had sent a posted sexually suggested message by text, IM, or even email. So now we got to break it down and figure out how are we going to talk to these kids about sex, you know? And you just know, need to know the facts, you know? Do you know that uh, approximately one half of all teens surveyed by the Center of Disease Control had sex and more than one-third have been sexually active in the past three months? So, you know, two-thirds of those teens used a condom and only 20% used birth control pills that last time that they had sex. So every night, eight seconds, a teen will become infected with a sexually transmitted disease. Every eight seconds, every eight seconds, they will become engaged or inflicted with a sexually transmitted disease or sexually transmitted infection. And by the end of the day, about 10,000 teens will be infected with an STD or STI. So, you know, Here's the sad news. About 6 in 10 teens who admitted to having sex 
Wish they would have waited. Three in ten girls will become pregnant at least once before the age of 20. And about half of all pregnancies in the U.S. are unplanned. And so as you can see from the facts, we need to be more proactive in teaching our kids about consequences of having sex. So what can you do? You have the talk early. You let your teen know where you stand on the issue. All right, we're going to talk more about this, about how to discuss sex with our teens. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The compassionate life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Thanks for listening. Listen, uh, we're, now we're talking about teenage sex, and we're talking about uh, setting up the talk. But what you want to do with your teenager is begin to understand that they are so excited about sex. I mean, it's their new discovery. It's free. It's not something they have to pay for, not necessarily. But it is, is something that they truly have looked forward to their whole life and it's kind of like a surprising thing that wow people have this people can enjoy this really cool thing it's like getting a brand new car i mean all you want to do is drive 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 it i mean it's it's winning your freedom winning your independence i mean it tells them that you've now got decision to make every day of their life but the other thing you have to think about is power you know sex is power especially for a female and they all of a sudden go from feeling like they don't have a lot of power to feeling like they have more power than anybody in this world. And that's like giving somebody a pill and, and turning them into Superman. I mean, the bottom line is, is all of a sudden their body has dry, is driving a self-esteem that they did not have quite before. Now they're getting attention. Now they're getting boys' attention. Now they're getting... Uh, uh, flirting and they're getting people wanting to talk to them and other girls who are, are uh, attractive and other boys who are attractive wanting to talk to them. And so it's a very powerful thing and it's a very confusing message. It's hard for kids, especially if they have, they have a very low self-esteem, especially if they've been uh, isolated in their bedroom or not had a very good social life to suddenly be exposed and exposed uh, verbally and uh, uh, non, non-verbally to the idea of them being a sexual object. They can either take that in and take that as a compliment, and if they're insecure, they're going to want to want more and more and more and more and more of that kind of recognition. And so, you know, the deal is we, we have to work 
honor kids' self-esteem as much as, which means praise, positivity, and praise means, wow, you made such a good decision. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud that you're making these kind of choices and reinforcing that. That means we have to be very positive parents and recognize the positive in our kids rather than criticizing. So when you set up the talk, you want to know your kid uh, know where you stand on the issue of sex. So, uh, you know, you want to be able to be ready to have this conversation because you're the mirror that they're going to see sex through. So what you want to do is you want to be relaxed about it. You don't want to be freaking out. You want to just be matter of fact, and, and you actually want to have some humor in the idea of talking about sex. You know, when you want to encourage when you're having that talk is encourage your kid to be open and honest with you and follow their lead. And don't interrupt and don't judge because if you're going to do that, they're going to shut down. You know, they will tune you out if they don't feel like you're paying attention to what they're saying. And also, you have to understand something. You are the most influential person in your kid's decision to have sex. You know, reports show that teens perceive their parents as the primary source of information regarding sex. So your opinion is important to your teenager, though they may seem never to admit that to your face. You know, and you want to give the talk to boys and girls. You don't just talk to girls. You talk to boys. You have to go both ways. You know, there's a myth out there that we really need to talk to our girls about sex. But the truth is, sex is a two-way street, and both boys and girls need to know the consequences. And the other thing is, you need to share the facts with your teen. Whether, whether, uh, when you present the facts, it takes the talk from lecturing to information sharing. And that's why I've been giving you so many statistics, is try to help you get the facts so that you can sit down and talk to your teen competently. Also, you want to keep the talk light, using humor. If, if the conversation isn't easy for you, just imagine being a teen sitting next to your parent having this talk. You know, it would be mortifying. You know, so you want to use a little humor to work through the awkward moments in the conversation. You can say something like, well, I guess you've never thought you'd be having this conversation today, did you? Or uh, I just wanted to surprise you with this conversation about sex. Yes, I said the word. No matter how weird this is, I love you and we've got some serious talking to do. And also, you want to be open and you want to be honest. But most importantly, you want to let your teen know that you're having this conversation because you love them. You wouldn't let your child run their bicycle out into a busy intersection, so why would you send them out into the world without addressing a topic that they may not know a lot about? And many kids are going to tell you, I know, I know about this, I already know about this. Don't take that, don't, don't even begin to take that as an answer. Say, all right, I know you've, uh, I know you've had these kind of conversations with your friends, with your biology teacher, whatever, but we need to have this so I know that it's been communicated and I need to know that you're listening. So it's very important to have that. So what are the influences and the awarenesses of, of uh, sexual decision-making? Making good decisions and responsible choices about sexual activity during the teenage years can have immediate and lasting implications for health outcomes. How teenagers make decisions about relationships, abstaining, participating in sex, protecting themselves and others from sexually transmitted diseases and pregnancies is influenced by a whole lot of factors. Well, what are these factors? Parents, peers, the media, access to education and services, and a host of other factors influence decisions and subsequent health outcomes. Mm -hmm. You know, understanding the context of decision-making and uh, and also understanding the the uh, uh, the, the uh, female and uh, family implications. Thinking about the other person, if they're going to have sex with somebody, what is their family going to think about it? What kind of sources do their families have if you make a mistake and have sex and get pregnant? Um, it's very understand to understand what else is influencing your child. Are there teachers that influence your child? Are there other people that have deeper insight with your child than you do? You know, uh, you want to make sure that the people that surround your child, your teenager, understand your view on sex and understand your values on sex so that hopefully they'll communicate to your child from that perspective. So what is the role of parents in the family dynamics? The role of parents in the lives and decision-making processes of teenagers is often underestimated. Although, although the transition to greater independence is a hallmark 
of the developmental phase, parents clearly have a role and exert significant influence on the choices that teenagers make. You know, teenagers are most likely to seek sexual information from their friends. Almost 61% do that, although they are at least likely to seek information from their parents, 32%. That's why parents need to shape the dialogue. You know, a significant number of teenagers, 43%, express a strong desire to have more information on how to talk to their parents about sex and relationships. Also, teenagers are most likely to seek sexual information, once again, from their friends. So nearly... Uh, so what you want to do is you want to talk to them about what they've talked to their friends about. What did their friends tell them? Because then you're going to find out information about how those friends are influencing your child sexually. You know, what is their views on sex? And and learning about what their peers, friend that they would share sexual conversations, learning mm -hmm. about that, you're going to learn about those peers. And that's pretty cool. You know, nearly 80% of teenagers indicate that what their parents have told them and what their parents might think influence their decisions about sex and sex relationship is very important. And also, the more the teenagers are satisfied with the mother-child relationship, the less likely they are to be sexually experienced. So, conversely, poor communication with parents about sex and safe sex practices and uh, parental substance abuse are also linked to sexually risky behaviors. So, once again, parents with poor communication... Parents that uh, don't talk about safe sex practices and uh, parents with substance abuse issues are highly risked to children, teenagers going early into sexually active behaviors. You know, for young women, estrangement at home often leads them to seek and establish intimate relationships outside the family. So seeking warmth and support that they lack at home. Also, girls experiencing sexually abuse and, and their family are linked to increase uh, uh, sexual risk as teenagers. So, you know, we also have to look at the role of peers. And uh, once again, I was talking about that earlier, but uh, peer groups is an important factor in adolescence development. You know, it has a very uh, strong bearing on teenagers' decisions about sex. I mean, just look at what their clothing is. If you, if you are driving your kid to school, you're going to see a lot of girls dressed in the same kind of outfits, a lot of boys dressed in the same way. And that's because they're trying to conform. They're also trying to be accepted. And number three is they're trying to develop who am I? You know, adolescents 13 to 18 report that they are most likely to get information about sexual health issues from their peers, as we said before. But pressure to engage in sex increases during middle adolescence. And so peer group attitudes about sex influence and the attitudes and behaviors of teenagers is very, very important. Also, youths who resist engaging in sexual activity tend to have friends who are abstinent as well. So they will also tend to have strong personal beliefs and abstinence and a perception of negative parental reactions. So youths who are sexually active tend to believe that most of their friends are sexually active as well and that rewards outweigh the cost of sexual involvement. Now, speaking on that, you have to think also in terms from boy-teenagers' perspectives and girl teenage perspectives, many of them brag about having sex. Many of them talk about having sex, and Lord knows they're exposed to it through social media. They are able to have all kinds of information at their fingertips and to claim that they're having that experience. Just because they're bragging about it doesn't always mean they're having it. So, you know, a lot of kids fall into the belief that their friends are actually having sex when they're not. They're just trying to make themselves look more experienced than they really are. Don't get caught up in that and try to follow them. Now, we have to look at also the role of the media. You know, the images that, that pervade in the media like television, music videos, internet are increasingly more explicit in sexual content. Also, more than half, 50%, 56% of all television shows contain sexual content, averaging more than three scenes with sex per hour. And for shows with sexual content, just 9% include any mention of possible risks that take place in the sexual activity. So, yes, they put sex, 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 sex all over, but they don't talk about what it may lead to. And that is so sad that they don't show consequence of having those kinds of activities. Also, among young people 10 to 17 years of age who regularly use the Internet, one quarter had been exposed to unwanted pornography in the past year, and one-fifth had been exposed to unwanted social sexual solicitations or approaches 
uh, on the internet. Now, let's talk about that. There are tons and tons and tons of predators out there. And what you may or may not know is there are these adult people that pose themselves as somebody, a celebrity, let's say, or another girl or somebody a girl's age or a boy's age. And basically, they try to communicate as if they are that age. Well, how are you ever going to know that that person is an adult person trying to elicit pictures, uh, sexually, sexual pictures from you or as a teenager or uh, information from you? I mean, what they're trying to do is grow close to you so they, they as predators can take advantage of you. What many of them want is, is naked pictures because they can post them on the Internet and pay and get paid for that. In all these porno, you know, pornography is a multi-billion-dollar industry. So what you have to understand is these kids that take these pictures and they send them to these people that they think are their friends, or they think they're somebody that they're close to, and they don't know. What you don't realize is they're using that material to uh, get that information, get those naked pictures out there. And once they're out there, they never come back. And that's the sad truth. You know. Uh, Individual responsibilities in, 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 in involved in parenting a kid who may or may not be sexual activity is understanding and the awareness of their sexual activity and their sexual development, communicating very openly about that. Also, the respect for themselves and, and the respect for the person that they may or may not have sex with. Also, the avoidance of physical or emotional harm to either oneself or their partner. That is something that you want to talk to them about as a parent, that they have to consider the other person. They also have to consider their emotional well-being. You have to consider their, their parents and their family because you want to ensure pregnancy occurs only when it's welcome. And also recognition of tolerance and diversity of sexual values. You know, it's understandable that other people may have sex, but that doesn't mean you have to join them. You know, also there's a community responsibility, which is assurance that individuals have access to appropriate sexual education. So it never hurts if you think your child is sexually active to get down to the doctor and check. And number two is to have the doctor talk to them about sex. And number three, if you need to get birth control, by all means, get birth control. That doesn't mean you're condoning them having sex, but you're sure as heck are at least beginning the process of teaching them how to be responsible. Mm -hmm. For sex. All right, that's our show. Our next show is about paranoia and living in insecurity. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now remember, there is gay advice to all teens. Stop teenage pregnancy, take it in the ass. That's number one. And the other one is... How is it teenagers have no problem getting fancy covers for their cell phones but have unprotected sex? Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.